possible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know that idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea and then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. Glad to have you with us. It is a Tuesday, and you know what that means. Yes, it's a terrible Tuesday. What does that mean? Well, you know what it means. It's your favorite day because we get to vent our frustrations, and man, will we vent about the Super Bowl, what we saw on the field, what we saw in between the action. Of course, we get to vent today. Glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank here. Numbchuck on the other side of the proverbial glass as we continue to recap Super Bowl 55. Steve Berline will join us today from the NFL on CBS. So we'll get uh, his thoughts as we wrap up the football season. And uh, we're going to take you to jolly old England again. That's right. Back by popular demand, the buck power, Paul Stewart, joins us. That uh, humongous website, that fan club that he is put together over the years, over the decades there in England, stayed up late and uh, to watch uh, Super Bowl 55. So if we thought T.J. Reeves was gloating yesterday, working with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, working the game, can you imagine what jolly old Paul Stewart is going to be like today on, on the program? I'm sure that he'll be uh, drinking his Budweiser and uh, <laughs> watching soccer now that football's over. But uh, yes, the one guy in England that says soccer and drinks Budweiser. Yeah, I... <laughs> If he's not Americanized, I don't know, you know who is. You know, I think he's more Americanized than we are. I know, but I guarantee we will get in a Monty Python reference uh, one or two as well too today. And of course, you know he's watching hockey. He's watching the Golden Knights tonight. He's going to stay up uh, later, get up early, or whatever he does there. Uh, he's probably you know ready for some East Coast hockey. So yeah, there it is. So a lot of questions for Paul Stewart, but like we had him on last week. Uh, people loved it. He was fantastic. We told him we would get him back on this week, uh, especially if the Buccaneers won. So, yes, he gets his time to gloat, and, and I have no problem with that. No, I don't have a problem with it either. And, and what's nice about it is he was not only entertaining, as we kind of expected, but also very knowledgeable. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so the Buck Power Man, he is going to join us today. All right, so a lot to do, a lot to cover. You were texting me last night. And you were you were you were worried about a mountain lion? Is that right? No, I wasn't worried about the mountain lion. Okay, I just told you that I, I was wondering if you had seen. There's a mountain yeah. lion in the Summerlin area. It's been seen at, around Desert uh, Desert Inn and Wallapai. Uh, several people have mentioned it. They believe it was a mountain lion that somehow was maybe younger and got disoriented and traveled down here to the suburbs. And it's been seen by several people, and there's video of it on DoorDash cams and things like that. And it's 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 walking through the driveway, and all of a sudden you see it just get in a position, and it jumps over the backyard fence of somebody. And apparently it's looking for small animals or something like that to feast on. So they're asking people to bring in your small dogs and stuff like that and cats and everything in the area right now if you're in the Summerlin area because there is a mountain lion, and it's not a small little mountain lion that is roaming around. I remember hearing this story uh, like in the summertime or maybe even last year. Is this the same mountain lion? You think? I, I do not know. They think How many might, mountain lions can there be? They think it might be a different one because that was around, because I, I looked that up as well. I think it was around July 18th. This this was just seen February the 8th. It, it was seen uh, several times recently in a neighborhood, like I say, around D.I. and Wallapai. So they're looking for it. They don't know exactly how it got there or what it's doing there. Uh, there's been no attacks or anything at this point, but um Tell you what, I when I go out, even though I'm in my condo, and that I, I saw it jump a fence, so I'm like, yeah. Well, even walking over to get my mail now, I'm a little bit more leery. <laughs> so Frank texts me last night and says, "So uh, is a mountain lion in Summerlin? Can that be considered for Terrible Tuesday? It, it'd be terrible <laughs> if you ran into it. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, we know the sports books made out big time, so it wasn't terrible for them. The betting numbers did come in today with the Nevada uh, Control Board, so we will get to that today as well, too. It did not come close to the records that we've seen the last few years. did not even come close uh, to last year. We're going to talk about that. 
We've got television ratings; those are in, and uh, and a whole lot more uh, today as well too. And plus uh, another, you know, Mattress Mac story as well too. We didn't get a chance really to dive into Mattress Mac about what he did with his bet. So uh, a lot to do, a lot to cover. Terrible Tuesday. Let's rock. Let's roll. It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, there is nothing worse than the Chiefs. Can you imagine what that was like watching this game if you are a Chiefs fan, especially in Kansas City? And we go back and you look at the television ratings. They were okay. They were pretty good. But CBS is trying to tell us it's 96.4 million viewers. CBS said that it was the most live-streamed game, though, because they had over a billion viewers watching you know, on their tablets and on their phones and that sort of thing. It was also the first NFL game to deliver more than 1 billion total streaming minutes, all right? So that's all good, right? The number for regular households was 96.4 million viewers. But what CBS isn't telling us, that it was the lowest rated Super Bowl since 2007. It hit a 15-year low. And Chiefs fans... They metered the highest of all the markets throughout the United States, or Kansas City, I should say, that metropolitan market, 59.9 rating, an increase of 8% over their Super Bowl appearance from last year. The Boston market, believe it or not, Patriots weren't even playing, but the Boston market was second at 57. Oh, and Tampa was third at 52.3. So if you still wonder... How Patriot fans feel about Belichick versus Brady, maybe who they like more. What does that tell you as the Boston market checks in right behind Kansas City? 57% of the television households tuned into Tom Brady watching him win a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. No, I mean, well, you know, some of them are probably big, big Brady fans. You know, they were probably cheering for him. Some probably tuned in hoping he was going to lose and wanted to see him lose as not being a Patriot. But yeah, they obviously still care about the guy. And, you know, they're obviously football crazy there. They're so used to winning championships themselves. So I'm not totally surprised by those numbers. I am a little bit surprised that it wasn't actually higher down in Tampa. Yeah. You know, and, and Kansas City, well, they probably tuned in more this year because they assumed that they were going to win it again, you know. But, again, uh, more than last year. And then, unfortunately, the team didn't show up for them. So. This goes back to what we were talking about before about traditional markets, traditional teams. Kansas City, just a, a rabid fan base. I mean, you know, go, go to Arrowhead Stadium. You got seventy-two thousand plus in there. You know, Lambeau Field, Green Bay is the exact same way. And we talk about Dallas. We talk about the Giants. I guess when they're good, but Tampa Bay. This doesn't surprise me at all. Your team is in the Super Bowl. It's the best team that you've had probably ever. Better than that Super Bowl team in in, in two thousand and two because you have a marquee, two marquee guys, and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. But yeah, you know, finishing third, you you know, again, I never thought that Tampa Bay was a great sports town. I know T.J. Reeves will argue with that, but you know, he's agreed with this too in the past because you, you know, for a regular season game to go see the Rays, you can't get more than ten thousand people there. And now that they're good over the last few years, they get a little bit more, but still not during the regular season. So yeah, Tampa Bay not a great sports town. It's, it was proven here with the ratings on Sunday. Yeah, I guess the only question left to answer is what were the ratings in England? Yeah, well, that's what we're going to find out for Paul Stewart later. I'm going to ask you that. All right. But nothing worse on a terrible Tuesday than the Chiefs' performance. One of the worst performances by a single team in a Super Bowl. Nine points, only three field goals, not a single touchdown. Oh, how terrible is that? Well, that was 60 to 1 shot on the betting board that it wouldn't happen. And it did happen. Uh, I guess, luckily for the books, they didn't really have to cash anybody out with uh, you know, big-time wagers on that. But yeah, that's how bad the Chiefs were. The single worst offensive line performance in a Super Bowl history. Patrick Mahomes running for his life, pressured 29 times, sacked three times, two interceptions, and a career-low quarterback rating of 49.9. It does not get any worse than this. 
undisciplined. We talked about the penalties yesterday. I'll hit it again. 120 yards in penalties, the third most in Super Bowl history. 95 of those yards coming in the first half, a total of eight penalties in the first half compared to Tampa Bay's one penalty for five yards. Kansas City on third down, you know how I love that uh, stat. Three for 13 on third down conversions. One for three on fourth down. None of this can happen in a Super Bowl, number one, when you're the favorite, number two, when you have the arguably the best quarterback uh, in the NFL right now, you've got the most potent offense in the National Football League, you've got dynamic wide receivers, very good running game, understand there were a couple injuries on the offensive line, I want to give credit to Tampa Bay and have and will continue to give credit, but for Andy Reid's team and that staff to show up the way they showed up on Sunday It was downright awful. It was downright terrible and inexcusable. You just don't see this in a Super Bowl, especially for a team. It will say they finished 14-2, and we know they mailed away a victory at the end by resting players. And again, not what you should do. Successful teams usually don't do that. Maybe it set a bad tone a few weeks later. I have no idea, but they look lethargic. They, you heard Patrick Mahomes yesterday talk about him and the receivers weren't on the, on the same page, running routes. Was it really Tampa Bay being that good, or was Kansas City thinking like they were Green Bay two weeks before, just not ready to play and really didn't take their opponent that seriously? Yeah, I don't know that they didn't take them that seriously. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. If they didn't take them that seriously, it's hard to imagine, then that's right? 100% right. on them. But why this performance? Because, like I said yesterday, we haven't seen the Chiefs not score a touchdown since 2017. No, I, it's crazy. No, it, it is crazy, but again, I, I think there's a couple factors. And again, hindsight makes things a lot clearer for you. Uh, I don't think enough was put into their offensive line woes that they had. We talked about both tackles, but they had four guys injured on the line. We we all expected them to just be what they've been. You know that they're this juggernaut offense that didn't come to fruition. Mahomes obviously wasn't himself out there. Who I don't know. Maybe the players thought the game was on Nickelodeon again, and they didn't want to get slimed, so they didn't go into the end zone. And the first, for, for whatever reason, they didn't really even get that close to it. But it's crazy. But, you know, going into this game, what do we hear? What was the big thing the whole time? It's the goat against the baby goat. The goat against the baby goat. Well, you know what a baby goat is? A baby goat's a kid. And the GOAT is a man. Absolutely correct. Chiefs, downright awful embarrassment performance. Again, kudos and congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But when you look at the way that game was played, the way it was coached, everything, it just screams terrible. Well, you know, I'm going to stay with that kind of football Super Bowl type of thing. Tom Brady is the GOAT. This is a newsflash, right? Yes. Probably isn't really breaking news. But for some one person it is. Jerry Rice has now officially said Tom Brady is the GOAT. Now, Jerry Rice has been kind of claiming, like, well, you know, is he really the GOAT? He's lost some Super Bowls. I've won three Super Bowls. I'm a 15-time pro bowler. I'm the all-time leading receiver. Jerry Rice has been kind of carrying that moniker around that he was kind of the GOAT, but now he admits that after seven Super Bowl wins, ten appearances, yeah, he's going to give it up. He says Tom Brady is now the GOAT. However, he did add, of course, you know, when we played, it was contact football. You know, it was a lot more physical than that. So kind of taking a little shot that maybe Brady's the beneficiary of some rule changes that allow him to be as good as he is as long as he has been. But he has said now officially that Tom Brady is the GOAT. I'm sure that Tom can now finally sleep at night. Okay, a couple things about this. First of all, it is rather disturbing when you have one of the most revered football players of all time in Jerry Rice. And really, he comes across as very humble. He's media savvy. He's always got a smile on his face. You never saw Jerry Rice angry. And again, I'll use the word humble with him. So for him to actually kind of say that or insinuate that, it doesn't sound like he's totally throwing daggers. But so again, I don't know how this came across in, in, in what context. It, it, that's interesting, but it's a little bit disturbing to hear someone say that. He said it kind of with that wry smile, yeah, you know, like yeah, that jokingly, yeah. like, yeah, okay, yeah, he's the GOAT, wink, but, wink, nudge us, but we were men. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so a little bit disturbing, but then again, you're not, you're not exactly sure how it's taken. But here's the thing, what, I, what I'm thinking about while you're telling that story is, is he actually saying that he's the GOAT, or because he's saying he played with arguably the guy who was 
called the goat before him in Joe Montana. Well, and that's what I thought when I first started reading it. But from reading it and hearing him talking that, it kind of seems like he was pointing at himself as the greatest football player ever. Really? That maybe Joe Montana might have been a better quarterback or something. But yeah, and, and again. It, and or is he talking about him, the team? I mean, his 49ers I, winning I, those championships I, and Montana being the, the greatest quarterback. The vibe that I got from it was he was basically talking about himself. Because I know that he takes slack sometimes because people say that, you know, Randy Moss was a better receiver in that. And, and I still do think Jerry Rice was the greatest receiver ever. But I never really thought of him as talking about himself as the greatest all-around football player, but it kind of seems like maybe that was there. Or maybe it just was a tongue-in-cheek thing of going, hey, you know what? Why not jump on it here and throw my name out there? Maybe I'll get another pickleball commercial or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, We talk about the Super Bowl, the ratings down, uh, Chiefs performance. Was anything worse than that? Or maybe it was. The Puppy Bowl? Now, I know Nunchuck's been all over this. Puppy Bowl, Shack Bowl, all these television spinoffs that they're trying to do. And we talked about, you know, pregame shows, the seven, eight-hour pregame shows, and every network wanted to get involved with this. I didn't watch a single minute of the Puppy Bowl or the Shack Bowl. I'm not even sure exactly what it is. I don't even know if we actually have any sound or, or, or not. I'm not even sure if we had any sound from this, if it would play good on, on radio, or I don't even know if what this even transpired here so help me out here shack bowl it was hyped up uh puppy bowl we talked about it last week something about the animal planet martha stewart and this and that i i have no idea but but people were talking about this and i guess some people actually watch this or attempt to watch it but i had no part of it I really don't know what to tell you. I didn't watch one second of it. I did see something today when I was looking for some terrible Tuesday type of stories. Apparently, there was an incident in the Shack Bowl where Tim Tebow, it was like a dodgeball type game or something, and Tebow threw one, and it, I guess it caught Shaq kind of in the midsection and kind of took the wind out of him, which I guess Tebow can throw pretty hard. I just, you know, I'm just wondering who was at, who he was actually trying to hit if he actually hit Shaq because we know his accuracy was sometimes in question. So, and I remember this because we did talk about this last week about Shaq says all these other Super Bowl pregame shows are BS, and then we're going to have Ezekiel Elliott and Diplo, The Miz, Anthony Anderson, Nelly, Offset, and, yes, Tim Tebow. And uh, according to what you're talking about, uh, there are reports out there that says, yeah, Tebow still got a Heisman arm. He was winging it all over the place. Things got pretty intense during a dodgeball portion of the event where people were laughing, but you could still see some serious speed on a lot of these throws, and Tebow was mowing down the competition in the dodgeball game. So, yeah, you had males, females participating. Again, how this is good TV, I have no idea. But uh, apparently, uh, you know, Shaq was on a mission to show people that his pregame show is going to be better than what CBS was trying to do. Now, wait a second. When you lo- re- read that list of people, did you say Diplo? Diplo, yeah. I, what, I, is I, a, what is a Diplo? What is a Diplo? Is, is that one of the commercials? Does that go with Does that go with Cheetos or Nachos or what? What's a Diplo? Well, I, I think we can hear a little Diplo maybe coming your way right now, and you can tell me what Diplo is. So, so I guess it's not in our 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 genre, you know, unfortunately, but uh, probably one of Shaq's buddies. So Diplo was the halftime entertainment for people that didn't watch the weekend. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you got a little Diplo with your pregame show. Maybe Diplo getting, uh, you know, hit in the face uh, by Tim Tebow. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the Shack Bowl pregame show. Special guest, Diplo. If, if you have to Diplo, does that mean you need some more guac in the bowl, in the bowl, in the, in the bowl or something? I don't know. Well, yeah, it's got a pretty good beat to it. Uh, I can see myself dancing to it. Oh, but I can tell it's electronic all the way. It's electronic drums. Oh, come on, Diplo. Where are you at, man? I don't hear no dip. I don't hear no low. I got nothing here. Maybe he got hit in the low in the dodgeball game. Oh, yeah. There's a little house music going here. Where am I at? Hakkasan? What? I don't know what Nubchuck's telling me about here. I have no idea. I, I, I Turn off this bloody... Whatever. <laughs> so, so Diplo... That was it? Oh, it's the wrong Diplo. <laughs> of course. The wrong dip. There's multiple Diplos? <laughs> that was the wrong Diplo. Is, is there Diplo cover Hold bands? <laughs> if you realize it was the wrong Diplo, then why did you let it play so long? It's because I was bobbing my head. Oh, is this the real Diplo? 
<laughs> he does What is I this? I have no idea. I have no idea. Why aren't we playing this? Thank you. What is this? Give- it, it wouldn't be Terrible Tuesday <laughs> if something wasn't effed up on the other side of the glass. Is this Diplo? Yeah, you, 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 I've had enough of that. That's enough. So, yeah, Diplo. Does Why not even I go? Can't... Sam Regretti, I told him yesterday when he wanted to talk about the Shaq Bowl and the Puppy Bowl, I said, we're not going to mention that. And what I do, I fell for it. I went right into it. But, again, Terrible Tuesday, yeah, it had to be awful. No one's watching this garbage, right? Who's watching that? I, I didn't watch Thank any you. of it. I, 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 you know, I Like I say, I saw something today when I was looking at other crazy stories about Tebow apparently hit Shaq, but I didn't know what a Diplo was. And after that sterling performance behind the glass, I still have no idea what a We're going to make is. up for it right now. Back by popular demand, ladies and gentlemen, my man Kevin Harlan. There he 20, is. 5.03 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. The crowd going the crazy. With hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why? Is this taking place in a Super Bowl? Because the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't get in the end zone, but the streaker could. But he didn't. Well, I know he slid at the one because he, he wanted to kill the clock. He dipped low at the one, so. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more, Squire. By the way, that was all set up, you know, by a website, some porn website or something like that. That that guy, that's why he was wearing that on that pink thong or whatever like that. Looking like Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Uh, he didn't look like Jim the Anvil Nightheart. <laughs> No, he definitely did not. Okay, By man. the way, it's also not a wardrobe, a wardrobe malfunction when you pull your own pants down. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right. Um. So do you know who Tessica Brown is? Tessica Brown. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tessica Brown's got some hair problems, right? Uh, she does she have hair problems. She's got extensions. What's her story? Well, she was uh, – now, I don't know the style of doing your hair, but apparently there's a thing if you want to show your extensions or a ponytail oh, yes. or something Absolutely. like that. Yes, I'm where familiar. Where they take some kind of a, a hairspray, a, a hair-type glue yes. to mat the hair down. And she was using a product, I believe it's something like um, gopher glue or something like that or whatever the name of it is. I don't know. You mean Gorilla Glue? No, 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 no. no. She, she had an actual product. That she had run out of. Oh, okay. So right. she, when she didn't have that, she thought, well, I need something to mat my hair down. Gotcha. So she took some Gorilla Glue spray, <laughs> and she put that on her Wait, head. the real Gorilla Glue. The real Gorilla Glue. Okay. <laughs> well, she has since gone viral uh, because for now a month, 30 days, her hair has been plastered to her head. She tried washing it 15 times. She's been to the hospital and had surgeons and doctors look at it trying to get it off. The glue will not get removed. Gorilla Glue is a permanent glue. It says on there, it's actually used. You can use it in bathrooms and stuff like that to help all your fixtures because it is completely waterproof. Nothing takes it off. She's now talking about suing Gorilla Glue for essentially doing exactly what it says it's supposed to do. Gorilla Glue sent out a statement saying, well, look, we're really sorry that that you're facing these problems, problems. However, you know, there is a thing here that, it says on there, do not put on hair or skin or anything like that. But um, So she's now telling people, don't put this on your hair ever for any reasons or whatever. And these people, everybody's sympathetic towards her, feeling sorry. She's got a GoFundMe page with over $12,000 right. now raised. I, I was just reading that, that uh, it's up over $13,000 now that people are supporting her. And like you said, I mean, come on. I mean, it says right on there. And who in their right mind would think the Gorilla Glue would be good to use on one's body, anywhere, hand, arms, head. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I didn't know that there was a hair glue, but hair glue is not the same as Gorilla Glue. It's 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 not not even the same thing. It's not even in the same ballpark. (laughs) Correct. Not even the same hemisphere. Exactly. And I I know a lot of women who who do this, and and no one is using Gorilla Glue for their hair, for extensions, and, and that sort of thing. No, nobody. By the way, Gorilla Glue, Gorilla Glue has told her that if you use acetone or some other product, 
that can maybe break the adhesive properties of Gorilla Glue. She's afraid to use it because it could do damage to her hair. It's like, I'm sorry, darling, but you might have to shave your head and go Sinead O'Connor for a while or something like that. You, you, you have to, whatever you have to do, get it off of there now. It'll grow back eventually, but it's not going to just go off right now. Isn't she trying to sue Gorilla Glue, too? She, there's been talk of a lawsuit, yes. Insane remembering. All right. How about this story? All right. Our good friend Jose Canseco was in a boxing match last weekend. Now these amateur boxing matches and, you know, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, these clowns. And, and we found out that the, the Paul Mayweather match was actually now postponed or canceled altogether, which, which is good. But Jose Canseco got in a boxing match, which was pr- promoted by Barstool Sports. Uh, Dave Portnoy, the, the rich owner there had one of his employees get in the ring with Jose Canseco, a 22-year-old guy, he's about six foot six, was getting in the ring with uh, Jose Canseco. I think Canseco's about 56 years old right now, right? Well, the match lasted 12 seconds, and Canseco went down, didn't want to get up, and Portnoy is calling Jose Canseco out for taking a dive in the match. So, apparently, Canseco was promised a million dollars for this, Uh there's some goofy stories about this. Now, this is all part of a pay-per-view that Barstool Sports is, was doing, and they've done a couple, I guess, for 20 bucks. Ham and Eggers are going to tune into this and, and watch this. I guess they promote it pretty heavily. One story said that he was given 50% up front, which would be a half a million dollars. But then the other story I read, well, in the, actually the same article, said, oh, yeah, he got $50,000. Well, somebody missing a zero here. Why would you give Jose Canseco a million dollars on a $20 pay-per-view to watch online? That that makes no sense whatsoever. But here's, here's the thing. Portnoy's calling him out, saying he's a fraud. He came here to take the money. He took a dive. Canseco is saying that, hey, I had a shoulder injury. You know, I got hurt. I couldn't, you know, I, I, I thought I could, could do this. I threw a jab in the opening seconds. It, it hurt. So... Yeah, I didn't take a dive. I was injured in the match. But then again, how about this? The other guy obviously probably has a little bit of boxing skill. That's why Portnoy put him in there with him. The guy just unloaded him. How about the match is over? And, and, and Canseco just lost. I don't think he took a dive. I saw he, he saw this behemoth who was bigger than him coming at him. And he says, no moss. I don't want any more. Done. So Portnoy, we talking about he took a dive. Jose Canseco wasn't going to beat your guy. I mean, if it was on the betting board, your guy would probably be a minus 550 favorite. So why don't you just say, my guy beat your guy? I don't think Canseco took a dive. I don't know if he took a dive or not, but there are some sketchy things in it. Uh, News.com reports that he got $1.3 million for the fight, or that's what he agreed to. Uh, Also, as far as taking a dive or not, he saw this behemoth next to him. He didn't know the guy before he went in. He didn't look at his opponent. He obviously didn't watch any film or video. I don't know. Maybe he got hit. Maybe he fell in some gorilla glue and he couldn't get off the canvas. <laughs> there it is. All right. All right. Terrible Tuesday takes. If you got some, you can hit us on Twitter at TCMartin21 at VGKFrank as well, too. Steve Berline waiting in the wings. He is going to join us. He will recap uh, his version of the Super Bowl. Didn't go so well for Berline. Uh, we were on the same side of this game. And remember, he touted out the last two games going against uh, Tom Brady. So talk about somebody's going to gloat a little bit later on in the show. Someone's going to have to eat some crow as well, too, for the second time in the last two weeks. So. Yeah, and somebody's got a lot of jerseys with number seven, and now somebody else has seven Super Bowl rings. <laughs> Woo! I'm sure he'll want to hear that. All right, we got Steve Berline. We've got uh, Paul Buckpower Stewart coming a little bit later. We will get to the best and worst Super Bowl commercials a little bit later, too. So hang tight. Don't you dare go anywhere. Definitely Terrible Tuesday. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, never a wrong time to go get the mobile app from William Hill. Get it on your phone and then get over to one of the William Hill Sportsbook properties, whether it's the Cosmopolitan or any of the great properties, whether the sportsbooks, the kiosks. 
and uh, get involved in the William Hill mobile app. That's right. Deposit at least $50 into a new account. They will match it with an additional $50. Still got that promo going. So just because football season is over doesn't mean you still can't play because, of course, we're betting on basketball. We're betting on hockey. We're betting on the Australian Open. We're betting on everything here, as you well know. And some of us are still licking our wounds from our bets from Super Bowl Sunday. But, you know, we get it back. You got to go get it back. Get over to William Hill. Use that promo code TC50 and get $53 in your account. All right, let's go to the quarterback himself, our good friend from CBS Sports. And uh, he is Steve Berline. Steve, what's going on, my man? Well, you know what, TC? I I, I, uh, really don't know what to say. I, I was proven wrong. And made to look stupid again <laughs> this past weekend by Tom Brady. But other than that, everything's okay. Yeah, you know, it was it was a pretty lackluster day, really, all the way around. But uh, nothing you can say other than just tip your hat one more time to the uh, the goat. You know. Yes, I know you went against Brady against the Packers. You said it on the show last week. You went against Brady in the Super Bowl. I I was with you, man. You and I are both zero for two with this. Because I, I guess I was drinking that Kansas City Kool-Aid and the Green Bay Packer Kool-Aid before and loved Tom Brady, and I know you respect him as well, too. But, yeah, I thought, it, nice little story, time for it to come to an end. But, wow, exactly. He just continues to amaze. But uh, not just Tom Brady, Steve, and I, I know you'll agree with me, too, just the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they just continued to get better and better as the season went on, and they were purely and soundly uh, the, the better team in the Super Bowl. They were, and, and I, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from them because you know, they, they were. I mean, they were, they were truly the better team uh, at, at, at that point. And uh, you know, the only thing I would say is that it was the absolute perfect storm for, for Kansas City, though, and it began – uh, you know, by by losing both of their uh, starting offensive tackles, which I thought was going to be an issue, but I really thought that Andy Reid would be able to find a way to offset that with game planning and, and having two weeks to to kind of figure it out. I really thought he'd be able to minimize that, and he he, he wasn't able to do that. I, I was not impressed with how they decided to try and attack uh, that Tampa Bay defense, which played very well. Uh, but they were overwhelmed up front. And, and Patrick Mahomes, who the other part of the, the perfect storm or one of the other parts of the perfect storm was he was limited with his foot. And, and people can, you know, make all the, you know, minimizations they want. But the, the guy's having surgery this week for a reason. Uh, the foot was an injury. I've had the exact same injury. I, I played with it. I had the exact same surgery. Uh, back in 1993 for the same reasons. Uh, it, it is a very limiting uh, injury that you, you cannot get past until it's fully healed. And sometimes it doesn't fully heal, which is why he's going to have the surgery done. Uh, and then the, the final things that you can talk about are, are you know, Andy Reid, the distraction with his son, Britt Reid, what a tragedy that is. Uh, the timing of that just a couple nights before the Super Bowl. A huge distraction for the Kansas City Chiefs, and and then there were some questionable calls against the Kansas City Chiefs. So there were a lot of things that were really working against them. Of course, you know they could have made some more plays, and there were drop balls, there were missed opportunities. Uh, but the bottom line is that you know when you've got that many things working against you, uh, and and you're playing against a team that is really uh, you know peaking at the right time in Tampa Bay with the greatest quarterback of all time. That's a hard out. So um, I really thought it was going to go the other way. I thought Kansas City would handle everything better, but uh, truly they did not, and, and Tampa Bay deserved to win big time. You know, you talked about it on this show about when we – and we kind of even joked about it, about how much pain that that turf toe injury is. And you were very adamant about it. You lived it. Uh, weren't looking forward to getting those shots and again, uh, we, we Patrick Mahomes kind of downplayed a little bit, and we saw the effects of the last two games, I think, of that. But like you said, it was very, very serious, so serious that he's having surgery as we speak right now today. So, uh, you know, yeah. again, and, and I think a lot of, you know, like I said, we thought we bought into the Andy Reid, you know, coming off of a, a, a bye. But you know what really disturbed me, Steve, was that when we're watching this game, 
you just looked at the two sidelines and you saw when Brady came off the field, there was communication with him and Byron Leftwich. He was in his tablet. Mahomes came off the field. He was like chewing on his mouthpiece, like a la Steph Curry. He wasn't sitting there talking with Andy Reid or Eric Bieniemy, And it just seemed like, you know, the Chiefs were like, they, they were like beat down earlier on. And then as the game went on, it looked like they were getting physically dominated. But it, it, it did not look like a team, and I know this isn't the case, but it looked like a team that was not ready for anything the Buccaneers could give them that day. They weren't, and, and they lost their composure. Look at what uh, Taron Matthew did several times during the course of the game. Um, you know, They did not play across the board like a team that had been there before. Uh, they played like a team that I think – even though they were in the middle of, of that perfect storm that I described a minute ago, uh, they played like a team that expected to show up and win. And, and that uh, they learned the hard way, uh, especially against the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, who you know is going to be prepared. Um, you know, and those things uh, are just inexcusable. Uh, the, the performance of the, the Chiefs special teams was inexcusable uh the way that that punter uh you know performed in that first half giving tom brady and the buccaneers a short field at least two or three times um uh you know and then the penalty they they finally got a decent punt and they got a penalty called back for for holding and then he shanked another one uh you know those kind of things in the big games uh any one of those things can cost you a game uh, but when you combine those and, and they start piling up all those things that, that work against you, it's almost impossible to win the football game. And, and, and truly, Kansas City never had a chance. Uh, you know, they, they never even made a game out of it. Steve Berline joins us, the former quarterback himself, Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys back in the day, and of course does a fantastic job and has for quite some time with CBS. Steve, does this game also show a little bit of just how talented everybody in the NFL is and how winning is winning is also a lot just to do with the mental attitude of it? Because, yeah, Brady and Gronk come in there and they've won before, but outside of that, a lot of these guys were the same players that were there when Tampa Bay wasn't winning. All of a sudden they get a guy that expects to win, they learn how to win, and then they go all the way to winning the Super Bowl. It, it just kind of shows you a little bit too, doesn't it, that, you know, there's a lot of talent on every team in the NFL. Sometimes winning is, uh, I'm not going to say as easy as just thinking you can do it, but having that attitude of you go out and you expect to win. No doubt about it. It's Confidence uh, is a huge factor in the NFL. Um, you know, when you, if you get hot at the right time and get to where you've got your, your strut going, you really believe that you're playing at a high level. Uh, you, you become that much better. I mean, it's it a lot of times is the differentiator between winning and losing. I've always said I've always said this: to win the Super Bowl, you've got to have three things happen during the course of the season. Number one, you've got to have the talent to play with anybody in the NFL. Number two, you've got to get a few breaks during the course of the year where you win a couple of games that maybe you shouldn't have won. And I, I, I don't know, I haven't studied the, 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 the season for each of the Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm sure both teams had games down the stretch, uh, you know, the second half of the season that they could have lost. They got a few good breaks. Uh, they won the game. Uh, and the final quality, I think, that always happens in the Super Bowl champion, or you always find in the Super Bowl champion, is they finish the year healthy. And, and those things always play out, in my opinion, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, if they're a fully healthy team and they play a fully healthy Tampa Bay Buccaneer team, I think it's a different story. Or at least it's, good. it's a better ball game, no doubt about that. Uh, but, but, yeah, anybody can beat anybody. But the only way you win a Super Bowl is if you finish the season healthy and you obviously have to have the talent uh, to play against the top teams in the league to make it through the playoffs. But you've got to be healthy to finish it off and – that was as big a factor as anything in, in the Bucks' favor, for sure. Uh, because if you don't, if you are missing one or two of those key pieces, a team that's playing hot and playing with a lot of confidence is going to take advantage of that. 
you know, I don't care what side that you were rooting for or if you were or betting in this game. No one expected a 31-9 to outcome in this. So even if you were a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, you didn't think that they were going to blow out the Chiefs. You didn't think the Kansas City Chiefs were not going to score a touchdown. I mean, like we mentioned earlier, that was a 60-1 to odds on the board that the Chiefs would not score a touchdown. It was just crazy. Let me ask you, what was probably the most surprising thing for you while you were watching this game that you were just most surprised about, whether it was the Tampa side or the Kansas City side? The most surprising thing, uh, well, I already already mentioned a few of those, right. but uh, you know, I was I was very very surprised uh, that Andy Reid did not have an answer uh, throughout the course of that game. Uh, that that's what really surprised me the most with with all the talent on that Chiefs team uh, and two weeks to prepare, knowing that you were shorthanded with your offensive line. Uh, I figured that they really would come out with a a really fine-tuned, quick, uh, striking game plan, trying to find ways to get the ball to their playmakers on quick throws uh, so you weren't putting pressure on those edge guys, the the two backup offensive tackles. Um, That really surprised me. I mean, throughout the course of that game, it just seemed like Mahomes was uh, put in a situation where he was dropping back, looking for somebody to get open down the field. Tampa Bay did a great job of plastering up on those receivers, and they had good schemes in place. Uh, I don't remember ever, uh, to be honest, I don't remember Patrick Mahomes hardly even handing the ball off at all during the course of that game. So they weren't playing to stop the run. Uh, I really thought that Andy Reid would come out and, and attack that way, come out trying to run the football with Edwards Hilaire uh, and, and make some plays early in the game with the quick throws, either to Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, get all these guys involved early, quick, easy completions for Mahomes. Uh, it just never happened. And that was the most surprising thing to me. And do you think that the when you look at this, that the, the, the Bucks now, what they did kind of set the tone for the rest of the league going forward, like next year, about this is the blueprint, how to beat Kansas City. And, and I really look at something you said there about not handing the ball off. We know that it still takes – to run the ball, you know, to, to to set up the passing game, you need to run the ball. And that's exactly what Tampa Bay did. I think there are a lot of people questioning, like, are they going to be able to run the ball against the Chiefs? Not only did they run it, they ran it down their throats and they warmed down in the second half. And the Chiefs basically had some big games with, with Edwards uh, Hilaire. You know, I think he had, what, a 17, 19-yard game. But then I think, you know, that was far and few between. They just they gave up on the run and – in today's football, as much as we love the high octane, you know, passing games and the eye candy and all that stuff, you still got to run the football to set up the pass, correct? To win Super Bowls. You have to. You have to, especially when you're shorthanded and especially when, uh, you know, you, you've got guys that are playing hurt. Uh, you've got to find ways that, to, to keep uh, the pressure off of those guys. And if you get in a situation where you're in obvious passing situations, or you're not even not even trying to run the football. Uh, you're telling the defense you're going to pass, and against a good pass rushing team, which Tampa Bay at the end of the year was probably the best in the league. Uh, there's no way you can hold up. So yeah, I, they they should have run the football right at them early on in the game. Made the statement that they're going to try to play the physical game and try to you know really uh, make Tampa Bay respect that. Uh, and then that gives you the matchups you want on the outside as well. If they got to come in and, and, and put that extra man in the box to, to try to shut down the run because they know you're committed to it, that gives you the opportunity to match up those receivers on the outside. But that never happened in this ball game. And uh, you're right. I mean, Tampa Bay did a really good job of mixing it up. I mean, Brady only threw for right about 200 yards. So, uh, you know, I think they had about 150 yards rushing. Uh, that's a very balanced attack. And in the Super Bowl, if you're balanced, run and pass, that generally means you're in control of the ball game. And that was another example of that uh, on Sunday. Steve, you talked about you were a little bit surprised that Andy Reid didn't have an answer. Did anything surprise you on the Tampa Bay sideline? Because Arians, after the game, said he basically didn't do anything. He just let all his coaches do his job. I think that's obviously being a little bit humble. But it seemed like Tampa Bay had a solid game plan. They made all the right adjustments. Each coach did their job. And, of course, it doesn't hurt either when you have uh, one of the most valuable coaches in the league as your quarterback on the field as well. 
Yeah, and and I think uh, you know Brady. I'm sure was pounding this into his teammates uh, all all during that two weeks leading up to the game. You know, let's get up on these guys. Let's come out hot. Uh, let's be ready to fire on all cylinders right from the beginning, and you know, take advantage of all of our opportunities and and get get this team in trail mode and let our defense you know get control of the ball game and you know there there's no doubt that Brady came out and that offense they were ready to play uh the every opportunity they had in the first half they cashed in on it when they got the short fields when uh, when when Kansas City made a mistake uh you know and the penalties that were called against Kansas City whether you agree with the calls or not uh Brady and and that offense made them pay the price uh the next player within the next couple of plays i think Arians and and uh uh, you know, Bowles on the defensive side and all the coaches on that on that staff deserve a lot of credit because that team was really playing uh, with a lot of confidence and they had zero hesitation as to what they were trying to do. They were all on the same page, 100% prepared and ready to play. Probably helped that the game was in Tampa, no doubt about it. Uh, but but they were ready to play. I don't think it would have mattered where they were. They were ready to play that football game, and that goes to the coaching staff and obviously having that coach on the field and Brady as well. All right, Steve Berline uh, joined us today like he has just about each and every week here as we wrap up uh, the Super Bowl. You mentioned in the beginning, yeah, kind of uneventful. It was probably one of the most boring Super Bowls. It wasn't one of the highly rated Super Bowls. I mean, you got to go back to 2014 where we saw the last blowout with uh, Seattle against Denver. We saw one, you know, uh, when, when Tampa Bay beat the Raiders, they beat them down. We go to Baltimore uh, taking care of the Giants. I mean, those are like three big blowouts we've seen over the last basically 18 years or so, and this game was kind of lackluster. So let me ask you, what was the highlight for you the the food menu at the Burlines? Or, or we taught last week, I was asking you what was going to be on the menu here. It was like TBA. <laughs> what, was there a highlight food-wise for you? You know, I was over at a buddy's house. Um, there was a, you know, it was a, not a large gathering. It was probably, you know, 10 or 12 people in a very nice, you know, you know spacious home, uh, TVs everywhere. Uh, they had a nice potluck set up and, uh, you know, there was some great barbecue. In fact, the highlight for me was this, the, uh, the host, I'm going to give him a, uh, a little, uh, shout out here, Chris Guardino, a nice Italian buddy of mine. Uh, put together this incredible biscuit, bis- brisket. Oh wow! Not biscuit, brisket. Yes. And uh, I mean, the marinade. It was it was the wagyu beef, and and he had it done just perfectly, and the way it was marinated, and man, it was spectacular. I couldn't get it. We ran out too quick, but uh, that that was the highlight. Chef Chris, okay, I, I expect an invite for some brisket uh, ne- next trip to Southern California. There it is. Yeah, right. baby, you got it. That's a shout-out. All right, uh, before we let you go, Steve, uh, sad day today. We get the news of Marty Schottenheimer passing away at the age of 77, died in a hospice care facility in North Carolina, hasn't been in good health uh, for several years. Uh, I, I know that you were on some teams that uh, went up against Marty when he was coaching with Cleveland and in, in, in Kansas City, uh, you know, later in San Diego. Uh, give us some thoughts about Marty Schottenheimer. And did you get a chance to know him at all? You know what? I really I did. And uh, I never played for him. And so never had uh, the opportunity to really get to see him, uh, you know, the way his style was, uh, you know, on the field or during the week and during the offseason. Uh, but I know that uh, his players respected the heck out of him. And, uh, you know, I, I, my interaction with him over the years, you know, I, he's been sick for a while, so I hadn't had a really in a, a conversation with him in probably eight, ten years. But, um, you know, he was an amazing guy and very, very highly respected, um, knew how to get his football team ready and uh, how to win and played a tough physical uh, style of football that – you know, every time you went up against him, you knew you needed to bring, uh, you, you know, your your uh, you better be ready to punch the clock, and it was probably going to be an overtime type of a situation uh, if you wanted to come out on top. You had to bring your lunch pail, all the little things you want to throw out there. Uh, he was kind of the epitome of that, and um, you know, he'll be missed uh, probably better uh, because of what he'd been through the last, you know, uh, many years uh, that that he's out of his suffering now and. Uh, pray that the family's doing well, but uh, what a, what a wonderful man he was, and, and I have nothing but great things to say. 
Hey, Steve, just one more um, note on with the success of Tampa Bay getting back to the Super Bowl and the win that they had there. Everybody knows that Tom Brady now has seven Super Bowl wins, ten Super Bowl appearances. He's still going to be playing. What is your gut feeling about it looks like Gronk's going to be back and a, a guy like Antonio Brown? And does this maybe even have a ripple effect that maybe Drew Brees saw this performance and thinks, you know what? I'm younger than Tom, so maybe I hang around for one more year because we were pretty close to winning ourselves. Well, you know what? Whatever uh, Drew Brees is going to decide, I don't. I don't think it's going to be impacted by what Tom Brady uh, did. You know, Drew's been playing a long time, and uh, he knows how his body feels. He knows what he's capable of, and uh, whether or not Tom Brady won the Super Bowl uh, probably won't have any impact on him making that decision. It's just a matter of whether he thinks. Uh, he can go through another off season, another training camp, uh, and get through another, you know, grueling 16 week season, um, and then try to make the run to the playoffs. You know, if he believes he's got that one more burst in him, he'll make that decision possibly. But um, you know, there's no doubt Brady. Yeah, he got through this season unscathed. It looked like I don't think he was beat up at all. And Gronk, same thing. You know, they both looked very healthy there at the end of the season, and they're going to come back and defend or try to defend, you know that. Um, and that's going to be one of the great stories going into next year is can uh, can they do it again? And, uh, you know, I, I would I would suspect they're going to they're gonna probably prove all of us wrong a few more times. Uh, whether or not they get all the way to the Lombardi Trophy again, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's, it's been a great story to this point. And, uh, just another uh, crowning achievement by the greatest. You got it. All right, Steve, appreciate your time all season long, my man. Uh, can't thank you enough. Uh, great insight, great knowledge, a lot of fun with you uh, as, as well, too. It's the off season, which means more golf for you, right? Is that what's on tap? Then it means, then it means a trip to Vegas here one of these days, too, my man. You got that we'll right. There. Yes. Get, <laughs> get to Vegas, man. A little golf and a lot of food. Uh, no question about it, man. We got to get you here and uh, – Again, you'll we'll look, look forward to talking with you real soon and, and getting a chance to, to see you here really, really soon, hopefully. All right, buddy. Anytime. Thanks got, for uh, thanks for all, all the fun times we had this year. You got it, brother. Appreciate you. All right, bud. All right, we'll there he is. You. Steve thanks, Berline, Steve. the quarterback, uh, the 17-year veteran, just fantastic. Uh, great job on CBS on the NFL side, the college side. Uh, very happy, very privileged always to have him uh, part of the show over the last few years, just a a fantastic guy uh, to have uh, to give us his insight, his breakdown. Uh, one of the best in the media, no doubt about it. All right, one of the best in the English media is coming back on the Across other side. Across the pond. Across the pond, exactly. Can't wait for this. Paul Buckpower Stewart. Should I do it? Paul Buckpower Stewart. That is. That's, am I going Aussie again? I don't know. I think it's a little English. It doesn't I don't know. sound very English to yeah, me. It's, well, it's better. It doesn't sound Indian, at least. You know, at least I'm getting a little bit better with oh, that. No, it definitely uh, does not sound Indian. It uh, doesn't. This is AT&T. <laughs> How may I help you? Oh, I'm going to be on hold for 37 minutes. Hello. My direct TV bill is due again. Oh, that's no good. Would you like to upgrade to the new uh, G5? <laughs> Paul Stewart's next. And then next hour also, the best and the worst of the Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> 